What's up, guys? Welcome back to the THP Strength Podcast. We have been on a little bit of a hiatus, as per usual. These episodes come out randomly. We never know when they're going to be. Isaiah and I's life is, is always fluctuating up and down, and it makes it hard to, to uh, predict when we're going to be able to do them. Isaiah, give us a little bit of an update. Actually, before we do that, let's introduce Joe, and then we'll get a little bit of an update on what everyone's doing. So, Joe, go ahead, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing and why we asked you to be on the podcast. Specifically yeah. about this training. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, John. Um, well, my name's Joe Ellis. I'm a post collegiate hammer and weight thrower, uh, which are track and field events for uh, from the University of Michigan. Um, I train post collegially for Great Britain, um, and so I'll be gearing up, hopefully, to make the world champs in uh, Budapest uh, this year, and then the Olympics after that, and then um, you know, then it'll be a real reevaluation time after that. If I want to go in a different athletic direction or, you know, get a real person job. So <laughs> that's where we're at right now. That is a fantastic description. And a lot of people don't realize how hard it is to make it in post-collegiate track. Um, and I guess we'll get into this later, but one of the things is like funding, like how do you actually afford to do it? Um, and that'll be another question I'll leave. Isaiah, give your quick update on on what you're doing right now, what what life has been like in the last, I don't even know, since the last podcast, two months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as you guys have seen, we've been on a hiatus from the podcast and then also my YouTube channel. The reason being is because I just moved cross country from California to Florida and I had a baby uh, in that same in that same time span. So uh been a huge transitionary period but we're finally starting to like settle down and that type of thing so hopefully that will be more consistent content from us um and yeah still training through through this whole thing though <laughs> yeah fantastic so updates with me i was visiting san francisco and then i came back here and i've been here for a week or so we had the holidays and i was traveling home for that and then again back here so as you guys know, I've been training at UMD and uh, recently kind of had a little bit of a, a labrum flare up in my hip, not your shoulder. There's two of them. It actually feels way better than I thought. I thought at first it was going to be like way longer progression. I think it's going to be a pretty short injury. I think I could lift today if I needed to, which is pretty great. And I haven't told you this, Isaiah, but I'm going to be going back to San Francisco to stay with my girlfriend and look at apartments in the Bay Area. So Isaiah, I uh, just... Sick news to you <laughs> you leave california i moved to california <laughs> if i could live somewhere else i would but i am choosing to do this because i think in terms of like being an adult you know 29 it's like i'm gonna be 30 like i'm not trying to you know just like date haphazardly or whatever <laughs> and it just makes sense like my brother i my brother is who i've been staying with and he just had a baby as well so you know it doesn't really make sense for me to blow up their spot and uh you know i i need to figure out a living situation and i don't want to yeah. go back to parents obviously so it, it's funny you say the it's funny you say like oh like being 29 about to hit 30 and all that stuff and then joe what you said earlier like getting a quote unquote uh, real person job mm -hmm. i was having a, a dunk session yesterday with with uh my friend austin and we were just like doing that and for background i used to live here in florida and Austin was my roommate and from like age like 20 to like 23 we were just messing around play basketball all the time have dunk sessions and we were having the session and we were like just joking around and I remember just being like yo like I feel like a little kid like I've been doing the same thing like that's like five years like 
this is my job is, is just like jumping and dunking and stuff like that. And then I was like, maybe I should be in a door. And I was like, nah, nah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> later, 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 later. <laughs> just wait yeah, as long but, as possible. Yeah, but I, I think I think doing this type of stuff is what keeps you young for for as long as possible. So, so yeah, I move, so I shouldn't move. I should just keep living. You should have moved. Just, just live in your brother's basement and and keep uh dunking every day, and you'll be fine. <laughs> I love it. Um, All right. Well, that's the update. We will get into the podcast. Specifically, the reason why I wanted to bring Joe on the podcast is because I saw a video of him power cleaning. I think it was like 415 or something, or maybe 395 for reps. I don't know. Uh, That was uh, 405. It was 405. Yeah. 405. 405. (laughs) Was it a single or is it a, a triple? So I, uh, I I uploaded two pretty recently. One that, you know, went viral. You know, you don't ask for these things to go viral. The internet algorithm just takes it. And then all of a sudden you got a million people being like, this is the worst technique I've ever seen, young man. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, and then it's like, you do a little, you do a little, per- and, you know, everyone, everyone in whatever athletic space is, you know, I, I love it. I just want people to be lifting. But then you look at, you know, you know, this, this guy that comments being like, listen, I have a degree and he's deadlifting less than you can clean. And you're just like, all right, brother, you know, do you. <laughs> it's but, funny. But regardless, uh, that, that particular lift, you know, cause, um, I'm working with a company called gym aware that actually, uh, Dude, they're makes awesome. Gym. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a real, it's a real blessing. They, they actually make these devices that, that measure your bar speed. And so as a part of our agreement, I upload a, a video of me lifting a week. I've done this for about 12, 13 weeks now. And then this last one, just, you know, half a million views, a lot of random people making their space known. And most of them are really positive, but yeah, this particular video was me doing a uh, high box power cleans for a triple at 405 pounds. So, you know, that was an enormous PR for me. Um, and so I felt it, you know, it should probably go up there. Um, and cause I'm, I was proud of it. And then two weeks ago, I also posted uh, a video of me doing 430 pounds from a from a for a single one of just a regular hang power clean and then i got really close on 455 uh 455 pounds i got you know right here and then just said nope and went right back down but yeah so those were the videos that i think after after those when those went out there john you reached out to me and i was like oh man that's pretty cool (laughs) (laughs) no i mean i i think a lot of uh, i've worked in track for quite a quite a bit of time and i don't you probably don't know anything about me basically uh I worked with a guy named Mike Young, who was the biomechanist for the U.S. team for shot put. And so I was around, I actually got to go to the 2016 trials, uh, Olympic trials for the U.S. and sit in the ring while Joe Kovacs and, um, you know, Ben Krauser. Uh, oh, yeah, Ryan ben, Krauser. Ryan Krauser, sorry. Ryan Krauser. I'm now, I'm all on my way from track. So this is like seven years, eight years ago now. But at the time, I was like very, very into track. But yeah, so Joe was there, <clears throat> Ryan Krauser, um, the guy from Penn State. So I'm getting to see all of these just monsters, just, you know, freak of freak of freaks. You know, they come to the weight room, and I, I was at Altus for a while, so John Godina, like, talked about, like, Joe and how strong he was and, and stuff like that. And so, like, I was I was kind of accustomed to how freaky throwers were, and then I worked at an OTC for weightlifting, so I was, like, around cleaner jerk and snatch at a pretty high level. And, uh, you know, I, I understand the discrepancies between like throwers and weightlifters and I'm able to kind of like parse out how freaky certain things are. And so when I saw it, I was like, holy shit, this guy is like squatting as much as like world-class weightlifters or more, um, you know, and, and hang power cleaning in his hand 
not even like catching it on his shoulders, like four, 400 plus pounds. And I was like, that is wild. <laughs> I was like, and yeah. then I saw you talk about velocity based training. And I was like, Oh, Annie knows about like VDT. So many, like, it's one of the things that, that a lot of people understand, but don't use really well. And I was reading your post and I was like, Oh, he's actually using this to guide his entire program right now. Like I, I'm super curious on, on how you've been doing that. I think, um, it's kind of funny because Isaiah, his training, we were talking about it before the, before the podcast. I was like, his training is not that dissimilar to, uh, to shot putters or football players. Like it's like, get strong as shit, get powerful as shit. But the difference is their weight needs to stay very, very low. Um, so you can't just like pack on muscle or whatever else, but we follow the force velocity curve and we go from slower movements to faster movements as you get to like higher velocity parts of the year. And I'm guessing hammer throw is even more and weight throw is like way faster velocities, um, than like shot and disc probably, uh, in terms of like your actual rotational speed. Is that, is that correct? Is that a correct assumption? Yeah. So, um, the hammer is one of the, one of the more, uh, kind of biomechanically, bizarre events because it requires like um it requires you to be patient and aggressive at the same time and so for those of you that don't know the so the hammer throw you you spin around four times increasing speed every time and um and you like your arms get longer as they get stretched by the ball velocity increases all the forces compound i've heard it once said that in the fourth spin of the of an Olympic level hammer thrower, their body is under almost 700 pounds of force. And uh, the ball at its release is going, you know, I think it's, th th this guy was a, a Russian, so he was using kilometers per hour, but it was like 70 kilometers per hour at release. So like this ball- 50 by miles, way, 55 miles an hour or something like that? Yeah, it's gotta be like 50 miles an hour. And, um, you know, these are throws going 260 feet, you know, so we're talking like two thirds across a, a football field, you know, at 16 pounds. And, uh, and how heavy, so, how heavy is the hammer? So it's 16, it's 16 pounds. And, uh, you know, as, uh, it's one of these things that seems very heavy. And then, uh, you get into college and all of a sudden as a part of the training, Isaiah, you'll, you'll throw heavier implements. So, you know, I'll throw a 16 pound, but I'll also throw a 20 pound and a 25 pound. And then when I'm training the, the indoor event, the 35 pound weight throw, which, uh, you know, is specifically done uh, indoors. So it, you know, it doesn't go as far and they're able to, you know, throw it into like large barns, that kind of thing. Uh, that event, you all throw up to a 56 pound implement and I can throw that around 50 feet. Um, and, uh, and you do it the same way. You do the four spins and, uh, and it's absolutely, uh, absolutely bizarre, but it's super fun. You know, it's like, because in any event, like and i know you guys are very into jumping and explosive ability and so there's got to be like this passion to try and defeat gravity that's the way i always think about it it's like you know like everything you always heard and what, what comes off must must come back down right so you know that's much the same way with throwing it's like there's this joy that comes in trying to throw something farther and watching as it stays in the air just a millisecond longer goes just a foot farther so it's just this kind of like passion that drives you to you know really beat gravity say sorry isaac newton you know you're wrong you know and then uh <laughs> you know that's just that's just part of the the fun for me i guess nerd metal I, that's, probably, that's probably pretty relatable for for you yeah, yeah. no definitely I, it's, it's the same like it's the same sensation i mean i think for like 
whether it's jumping or even like lifting weight, lifting weights is the same thing. Like you're just trying to, just trying like to get, move some heavy ass weight. To, to the weight <laughs> yeah. Here, I think you know? what's that, what, what reminds me of like hammer is, is long drive. Like it's like the same sensation of just crushing a ball into oblivion. You know, it's like, okay. how far can I throw this heavy ass thing? I don't know, but let's figure it out. Like what's the most, and it's interesting too. Cause it's like hammer is probably the most efficient way to throw a heavy object very far. Like you can't throw a heavier implement further if you throw it like a disc or a javelin or a shot put. Like if you want to throw a heavy object really, really far, is there a more efficient way than the way that hammer throwers throw it? Probably not. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. It's difficult to say, right? Yeah. It's uh that that's a good point. That's a, that's an interesting, interesting thing. Obviously, if you're gonna throw something light very far you know, throwing like a baseball, a javelin, a right, football, right. that's like a, a whiplash of, the, you know, of the shoulder, elbow chain reaction. But like, if you're throwing something heavy, you know, it's like the more time you have to accelerate, the farther it's probably going to go. So I have, I have uh, a lot of questions and I'm going to start firing them away. Isaiah, if you have questions, you can just like, feel free to jump in here. First yeah. off, I love, I love gym aware. Um, I know that there's a couple other like VBT devices. I've used the ones with like gyroscopes inside of them. So uh, push has an accelerometer and a gyroscope in it that tells the direction and it tells how fast it's moving. I didn't like push cause it wasn't reliable. Uh, every time that you do a rep, you get a, you get the same rep with a lot of variability between them. The, uh, the one on a string, anytime it's on a string, uh, or a coil, I've noticed it's really, really good. I think gym aware is a string coil like mechanism, right? Or no. Historically they, they have, uh, what they really built their brand on is accuracy and yes it's 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 got a spool in there yeah. so it'll like uh, it'll it'll retract and then come back down and it's like those are easily the most accurate but the one i've been using and the one they've asked me to uh you know work with them with is their new uh flex device which is designed to be a lot more affordable uh and it it uses like um laser and light to bounce from a reflective mat at like you know hundreds of times in a, like in like a second over the course of a lift so that it can triangulate and tell you where the bar is and thus calculate speed so it's like it's it's of course not quite as accurate as, the, as their spool device but it's a sixth of the price and so you know you think about that where it's like on the squats it's you know in my opinion just as accurate and so that's primarily what i use it for and um it's just been really do great you use it for cleans at all or i i use the spooling device for cleans and now this isn't me trying to be egotistical here but the when i i clean at a very high velocity and yeah. frankly it's it's too quick for this for this device to to beam it up to to pick up my numbers but like because when i um when i what, when what I velocities out, are you hitting in like hang cleans for peak and average so like uh it's on weight right so my yeah, best right, yeah. my best my so I, I always start at the same and i work up you know it's just how it goes so but i yeah, actually and I talk, go, I go, talk about that because that's super important and a lot of people don't understand why it's important to keep the weight exactly the same as you build up using bbt yeah. um so like I, i'll my opinion is the reason you do that is because if you keep changing the weight you don't know what your readiness is so is that how you use it as well exactly um it's really it's it's really like this so Basically, if you're in a velocity, uh, you know, base training mindset, it's the numbers don't matter as far as the weight. The weight doesn't matter. The weight is is separate. It's an effect. It's an effect based on your speed. So, you know, I am looking at the numbers, the numbers, the numbers. And that's all I care about as far as the, the meters per second, not the pounds on the barbell. So, 
you know, I'll start off and I'll put on 135 and that's my, that's my base. But that one, the number I'm looking at is the velocity and my best speed on that is I've moved it at 3.7 meters per second. So on a clean, on a clean pull on, on a clean. So, um, I can, uh, let me see. Um, at the end of this, I'll, I'll send you guys some videos of me moving. Cause I, I recorded my last workout cause I've been working on some technical changes with one of the coaches at Michigan, but, right. and so, I'll, and so my best ever is I think like three point six eight three point seven uh, with 135. 135 so that's like, so fast for perspective just so the, that's your peak force right that's not our peak that's peak force. I, I never do mean for uh for cleans i always do mean for squats okay this is an important detail if you're listening to this and you want to use vbt use average for or mean if you're doing deadlift squat bench basically mm -hmm. correct and then if so basically any of the powerlifting movements which ironically are not that powerful unless you're using vbt and if you're doing Olympic lifting movements, make sure you use peak velocity because you're focused on not how slow the first pull, like if you, the first pull is going to slow down the whole average and it'll just throw everything off. So you're really just looking at peak because we care about the peak bar speed and changes in the velocity of the bar throughout that movement is part of the lift. So that's why you're looking at it. Um, and yeah, just take a mental note of that, uh, listeners, cause it is super important anyways. Go ahead with what you were saying. Uh, oh, last last point of perspective. I move 135 peak bar speed at about 2.5. So for people listening, <laughs> Joe is moving it like almost 50 to 60% faster, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, yeah. So go on with what you were saying. Of course. Yeah. And, and, and obviously a caveat here. It's like um, I have designed, I have molded my body to have as much peak explosive ability as I can and at the cost of almost no endurance. So it's like, uh, like I, I will sprint, but I will do incredibly short distances and not a lot of reps, but like on the, on the flip side of that, it's like power, 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 explosive ability, everything. That's the exactly, exactly the same as us. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, <laughs> you should well, ask so, Isaiah okay. about jogging for five minutes, how he feels about it. <laughs> yeah. Like um, I hate anything endurance. So, and, and also the way that, I, the way that I clean and the way that I snatch isn't like an Olympic weightlifters because their, their goal is to complete the lift, complete the movement and, you know, get three good lights and then move on heavier weights. My goal is to use that weight to move as fast as I possibly can. So when I, when I do 135, like I have to pull it back down to my shoulders at the end of that pull. So what it looks like is I'm here and I go, and I go like this because I pull it above my chin and then I have to bring it back down because I'm focused on as much acceleration as I can. And I was, if I put on weight, it starts to resemble more of what like people are used to watching in a lift because I can't pull it quite that high. So, uh, so then I'll go 135, I'll move it about three, six. And if I move it like three, three, that tells me information that tells me I'm not feeling as explosive. I'm not moving as well. And thus my weights not, aren't going to go as heavy, but say I'm moving at a three, six, I'll move on to 25. And my best ever is about three, 11, 3.11. And uh, that's like my bread and butter, like 225 is right around the weight in which I get the most watts produced, for example, like for peak wattage, like you'll have your highest, your highest outputs. Exactly. 225 is my highest wattage. It's where it's kind of like um, now my, my watts don't decrease significantly, but like 225 is historically that's the number. And for those of you at home, I'll produce around 85 to 9000 watts on, on the lifts. And <laughs> <laughs> for, for perspective, for perspective, I've seen a lot of like 
um, like collegiate uh, people who use gym aware. I've seen like uh, force velocity profiles on some NFL guys right around 6,000 Watts is considered pretty peak. And so like, like 9,000 Watts is pretty absurd. You're not going to get a lot of people able to produce that. But again, like that's my for, game. for perspective, you know? for perspective as a jumper, right. We want to, for this is for viewers and also Joe for you. I produce around, I think the peak power I've ever produced is maybe 37 to 4k. And that's in a power. I think it was in a snatch. I don't even think it was in a clean. And for me, that was around 50% of my max as well. Um, like that's tends to be, cause that's around, that's a little more than 50% of yours. Right. Yeah, just about. And it's, it's probably different for everyone. Like, do, do you, is the goal to push up the weight where you're hitting that peak power or do you not even care? Is it just like, just hit peak power? Like, would you rather hit your peak wattage at 135 if you could? It's probably not possible because you'd literally throw the bar through the ceiling, but. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like, um, as far as peak power, yeah. Like, uh, usually it'll peak in the middle of the workout, right around two, three, two, 225 or 275 on any given day. But that doesn't mean you're not doing good work heavier than that because, you know, there's just, you know, different things you're focusing course, on. Yeah, but, of course. Mm, I, have a I guess what I'm wondering is like, what did you say, Isaiah? No, I, oh, no, I I'm, just, I'm, I'm just talking. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. It's, it's a second behind. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, yeah. you're good. You're good. <laughs> so um, when on a day where you're going to like PR your hand clean or your or your power clean, Isaiah, I think, oh, never mind. You're, look like, it looks like you're am good. Am I good? For a second yeah you're good now <laughs> okay okay so on a day where you're gonna go for like a pr on hang clean or power clean do you use uh the the bar speed as a sign that you're gonna go for it like let's say the the velocity is like at your best are you gonna try to like pr your clean and then if let's say you were planning on pr and the power clean but the velocity isn't looking like the best do you like just scrap it and like not not Isaiah, go for it? you there can you hear him joe yeah, well, it's um, I, I I'm a pretty good lip reader, and so I, I knew what he was saying. Cause like I I have I have like hearing loss, so like you know I kind of combine it. So like <laughs> I was like, oh yeah yeah, if on, on a day on a yeah I, I'm like following completely along, and then I'm like, oh wait, he's not actually speaking. Uh, <laughs> I'm like That's I'm like, awesome. did, did you get any of that? And Joe's like, I got all of it. I just read his lips. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, Isaiah, yeah, you might you might want to take your AirPods out. I don't know if that's possible, but that, I think that they might be dying, maybe or something. I'm not sure. Or your, uh, it could be your internet, maybe. This, this is my internet. I'm gonna oh, go to okay. the living room. Yeah. You, you can leave the, the AirPods in then. All right, go ahead, Joe, with what you were gonna say. I think what he said was, would you actually plan on lifting, or do you not? I, I don't know what you actually asked. Joe read your lips. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, then for for our, for our, for our viewers, uh, would you mind repeating your question? Yeah, okay. you guys, am I like good now? Yeah, you're good. Yeah. Okay. So I was asking on a day where you're planning on hitting like a power clean or a hang clean PR, do you use the bar speed to decide if you're going to go for it? So like, let's say hypothetically, you're going to go for it. Like you go into the session trying to PR, but then when you're warming up, your bar speed isn't at its best. Do you just scrap the, the plan and not go for the, the PR? And then the opposite applies too. Like, let's say you go in and your bar speed is at its best ever, or you decide, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to PR my clean. And so, uh, just a like a random aside too. The reason I ask is, I, I was trying to power clean 300 for literally all of last year, and then the day that I finally PR'd it, when I had 225 on the bar, I was able to catch it like standing straight up. So it was like the bar speed was at its best ever. 
And ever since that day, I, I use 225 as a test. I'm like, okay, if, I, if I'm catching it straight up, that means bar speed's really good. Like, I could probably get close to, to 300. So I'm just really curious if you use that uh, to decide what you're going to do for the day. Yeah, those are, those are really good questions. Um, I think it comes down to intent. So it's like, um, I am, weightlifting isn't my primary objective. My primary objective is to be a good thrower and to, you know, throw farther, make the Olympics. So I am oftentimes limited in like how heavy or um, I make my, I allow myself to go. Like, um, for example, this fall is the, this past fall is the time when I get to dedicate myself most strongly to weightlifting because there's no competitions. Um, and it's the time where I get the most growth. Historically, I do about a 12 to 14 week program in the fall and I ended at 12 to 14 weeks and I max. And then what I do is I maintain that strength for the, for the year. And then, so it's like, Ooh. like, for example, like I, I finished and I hit, you know, 430 in the hang powers. I, uh, I hit 405 for a triple in the box powers. And those were PRs. Um, on those days, like um, I, I have a marked on my calendar as max day. So like, this isn't something where I walk in the gym and I'm like, I feel really good. I, these are like the days where I'm max. So it's like um, the couple weeks prior, I'm thinking about it. And like that, in, that intent increases energy. On the uh, on the box clean day, for example, I did set two speed PRs. I hit uh, 3.15 for, I want to say, 2.4 meters per second on the box clean. And my previous best had been 2.3. Now, what that tells so you crazy. is that tells you you are in the you're in your best shape. That tells you you're in your best shape because the thing about gym aware is it remembers your lifetime best speed. So this is from a guy who's been using this software for seven years. And when it when you move a weight faster than you've ever moved it before, like that tells you that tells you you are in your currently physically in this particular moment the most athletic and powerful you've ever been on this particular exercise. And what that does that fills you with an immeasurable confidence because you guys know you guys are athletes. If you you might think, man, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Um, something feels nice. Maybe I got a good night's sleep. Maybe I got a good meal. I'm feeling good. But then you go and you start performing and you're like, I'm not doing well. What's going on? Well, like gym aware takes away all of the feelings. It tells you exactly in scientific terms, how you are actually doing compared to previous versions of yourself, you know? So on like, so for box power cleans, right? I probably attempted 315 before that day, 50, 60 times in my life. And out of all those 50, 60 times, this day, I am the fastest, most explosion version. So, so yours, yours right perfectly there. coincided. Like you were like, it's max day. I come in, my max is good. You're good to go. Like you follow yep. the plan regardless. You're like, even if you were a little bit slow on it, you still would have maxed out. Like you would have just followed yep. the plan. Okay. So that's, exactly. that's also interesting because- like with Isaiah, I'll be like, okay, this is what you're supposed to do. But if you feel good, like as his coach, I'll tell him, if you feel good and you want to max, like where he'll text me, hey, I feel really good. Should I max? And I'm like, I'll usually run, you know, a, a very brief, uh, complex uh, algorithm, multivariate algorithm in my brain to say, yes, you can do this because this is how far your competition is. This is what the goal of the cycle is. This is what we're trying to do. And, you know, here are the variables, your back, your knee, your foot, whatever. Like, okay, gut, fine, go for it, CNS. And then he's like, all right, cool, I'm going to do it. And then he does it. And then it's like, oh, cool. I got a max or sometimes he doesn't, but there's definitely days where he comes in and we usually max out once every four weeks. Um, you know, we do a lot of strength, a lot of power work as well. Uh, we train like track and field athletes, very, 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 very similar to what you do probably. 
Um, and so he'll come in and he'll be like, I kind of feel shitty. It's a deload week, but I feel shitty. And I'm like, all right, well, like, do you want to do it or not? And he's like, I don't know. We'll see how, like, how the buildups go. And so it's interesting because like you said, the gym aware adds a level of objectivity. It doesn't care about your feelings. It doesn't care about whether you caught the, the weight perfectly. It doesn't care about anything. All it is is saying, here's the number, take it or leave it where, you know, and for you, it's really interesting because your cycles, when you max perfectly coincide with your peak bar speeds at 225, 315, et cetera, right? Like going yeah. into your max day, you're actually hitting those peak bar speeds. Whereas for Isaiah, sometimes, honestly, that doesn't happen. Maybe it's shitty training on my end, maybe not. It's nice that you're able to fully predict that like, or that it does coincide perfectly. Um, I think what that's I, really- What I find really interesting, I wanna like dig into it a little more is you said, you said you train 12 to 14 weeks, uh, basically to PR or like to, to get stronger. And then what do you do the rest of the nine months of the year? Like what, what, how is the training looking like compared to those three months? Oh yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point because, um, yeah, again, like, like, uh, for my event, like again, weightlifting isn't the goal. It's like, like you guys, it's a tool to use. So, that doesn't mean I'm not setting speed PRs. It just means I'm not setting weight PRs. So for example, like, um, you know, I set these number targets, like I wanted to hit 455 in the hand clean. And, uh, you know, next year I want to do like 475 or I want to do 495, you know, something like that is a target to, to keep you focused and driving. And then I'll use that number and that like mentality and I'll do percentage edges for the rest of the year so for example like i hit 430 on a hang i won't attempt over 405 for a triple for the rest of the year but last year i didn't attempt mm. over 65 for a triple for the rest of the year but then you know last year my three rep pr was 405 so it's like it kind of that's how it that's how, that's how i do yeah. it like, like you're working off a higher max for the rest of the year so you're still doing exactly. those you're still trying to hit speed prs you still do your warm-up exactly the same way you go 130 if you have hang powers or whatever you would go 135 225 315 because now that's 80 percent of your max compared to what it you know previously it was like 85 or something like that um so you're hitting that you'll touch that weight and you have more opportunities to hit peak bar speeds um Mm -hmm. so you will you still follow like uh and i'll ask you this when you when you do your periodization obviously you go general specific you go from lower velocity slower velocities to more specific velocities you go from, you know, probably higher volumes to lower volumes and higher intensities. I'm assuming these are all true. Is that that's correct for your training? Yeah, yeah, de- definitely. Definitely. As the season progresses, the reps drop, but the intensity stays the same. Yeah, like exactly. you can never drop the intensity. That's what people often forget when they try to peak for major competitions. It's like, sure, you may not be doing 100 percent of your max, but you are lifting 75 percent of your max as aggressively as possible. Yeah. And, and I think that's something like I want to kind of touch on for, for viewers, what Joe's talking about. And when he says intent, intent is the whole reason why you use velocity based training. When you're looking at, oh, did I lift the weight or not? It doesn't matter as much because you care about how much power your legs are putting, you know, into the ground or whatever else, or how much force you're putting into the ground. So when you're looking at intent, it's I'm going to move every weight as fast as possible. Like Louis Simmons with the, his like dynamic approach or whatever back in the day pretty much the same thing, right? You have your dynamic day, move it as, or even if it's heavy as shit, try to move it as fast as possible. Reason being is your nervous system doesn't discriminate by the weight. If you put an EMG unit on your, uh, you know, on your arm or yeah, EMG unit on your, on your arm or your leg or whatever you're doing, 
if your intent is maximum, you're going to get huge neural loads or outputs, which is exactly the same thing that happens when you throw or you jump or anything else. And you have those huge outputs. So your nervous system doesn't care whether the weight's 135 or 225. It does in the sense that it, it is a, a means for you to deliver more power output. Like Joe said, he hits his peak wattages of 9,000 at 225, right? Around there. So mm. it's a means for him to get that physiological adaptation. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, well, why does any of this matter? That's why it matters because it is inherently training the underlying qualities that will help you be a more powerful, more explosive athlete. And so, like you said, intensity doesn't fall off. Why doesn't intensity fall off? Because as soon as you drop intensity, you are, you are unsharpening something that you've been sharpening all year. You're dulling the blade and you want to stay yep. as sharp as possible. Um, and when you drop volume and you keep intensity high, you keep the blade sharp, um, but you're able to freshen up and swing the knife faster. <laughs> so if you, uh, and, that, and that's why it's what he's saying is really important. And I don't know if many people understand that training concept, but it is very, very, very important. And it follows, I don't know if you know Indigo Mujica, he's like the taper researcher. And that's like all of his research is like keep intensity super high, drop volume by a lot. And I'm assuming that's how you generally will taper and, and deload. I mean, that's it exactly. It's like um, the whole the whole uh, thing about gym wear that's or, and, and velocity based training. I keep using gym wear as a substitute for VBT, yeah. but you <laughs> can use whatever VBT measuring <laughs> device you want. Yeah. Like it's just like, you know, there, there's a lot of tools out there. It's just that's the one I, I've grown up with. Gym wear is going to love this podcast. They're going to be like, oh, this is the best. <laughs> I know. It's like it, it, that, that's just how it goes. Um, and then another thing too, like just to put out there, like I don't, I don't have a degree in any of this. This is purely experience. And then listening to people smarter than me, uh, generally Dr. Brian Mann. I don't know if you know that yep. name. Yep, Brian, Dr. Mann, Brian is Mann, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant human being. <laughs> he's the guru, and he has a background in throwing. And he's like, uh, you know, what he says, I listen to, and uh, I think he's great. I think you guys should look him up. But uh, in, in regard to intensity, it's like, um, say you do feel terrible, you had a bad night's sleep. Academically, it's proven like. Uh, you're, if you have a stressful academic week and you're in school and you, your numbers are not going to be as nice on the VBT device, but what you're going to want to do is try as hard as you physically can while feeling bad, because that's, what's going to benefit you more. Like don't go as high in weight, but move it as aggressively as you can. Like the reason why, like, you know, I posted that fail of mine at 455 pound hand clean is because even though 430 I caught, I produced over 200 more watts failing at 455 than I did succeeding at 430. Yeah. So it's like, as far as me and what I benefit from, I benefited from attempting 455 because I was able to produce more power. Um, and the reason I catch is primarily uh, like when I, when I talk about catching, I talk about catching the weight. The reason I don't just pull and stop is because of intensity and intent. And those things go hand in hand. It's like you could theoretically pull, you know, 500, 550 pounds and like pull it to your belly button maybe. But what happens is when you try to catch a weight, it's physiological. It's this fear factor that's in there. It's like you're having to catch this weight. You're having to make a statement. And if you miss, you know, you, you have to drop it and fail. But if you're just doing a pull, there's no fear there because there's no instance in which you're going to get buried by this weight. You're just pulling it and dropping it. That's why if you look at pulls, in my opinion, oftentimes the velocities are down and the power is way, way down as opposed to a clean. So that is one of the most interesting points I've ever heard. Uh, and it's that, good that, to know. Yeah, that is, 
really cool take. Because so many people are like, oh, I'll just do clean pulls. I'll just do high pulls. There's no reason for me to catch. And I'm always like, you should work on this, at least in your warm-ups. You know, they're like, it hurts my wrist. I'm like, stretch your wrist. Yeah. I'm like, work on your technique. And they're like, fear. why? And I'm like, yeah. And it's it's really that you're, the answer is there, you can't. Your intent will not get, your intent's going to be lower. Your power output's going to be lower. Your adaptation's going to be worse. Do the catch. And people are like, well, I don't want it. So, do you want to get better or not? <laughs> like, yeah. What's crazy like, about that, that is exactly. I is I've had so many workouts that are uh, like, like my, I feel like my clean pull workouts compared to my power clean, my clean pull workouts are always so much more like lower effort. And it's cause I, it's like subconsciously, I know I can like half ass it more, if that makes sense. You're going to be just fine. You're not going to get hurt by this weight. It's going to, if it's not a great pull, it's just going to go back down. And then nobody, nobody's, nobody gets, you know, nobody's hurt by this. Yeah. But if you, if you fail a catch, you might get hurt. You might be in a bad position, you know? And it's this, it's this extra, like, oh my goodness, oh shit. you know, oh shit, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm in danger. Like, uh, I have to try so much harder, like an effort you tap into that you might not realize that you're, you're, yeah. you have until you have to tap in. And you, and what's interesting too, is like, you don't know that unless you've used gym aware for seven years. Like for you, you're like, I know because I've used gym aware for seven years that if I don't do the catch, my power outputs aren't going to be as high. And for me, I use, you know, I intuitively kind of know that, but it's like, I didn't have the data to back it up. And it's good to know that it's like, Hey, here's a case study. This guy has done this. I don't know if Brian Mann's shown that in his research, but it's really, that's really, really insightful. Um, and then the other, the other thing is, um, in, in terms of like the hex bar jump and stuff like that, do you use that lift at all? Uh, do you not use it? And how do you, how do you feel about that? Do you get like, what, what's your point of view on it? Cause real, there's a guy, real quick, I'm going to cut you off. Loved it. Yeah, go ahead. Cut me I'm off. Cut you off. We, we have a minute and a half left. Uh, do you want to end this one and then just start a new one? And then I can yeah, just then we can we splice it together. Yeah, yeah let's okay, do that, that right now. Great. Yeah, you got to game the system, boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so we were talking about you know the clean intense higher power outputs higher. It's all about whether you feel shitty or not. You want to get the training stimulus. You want to get the benefit of that. Just move the weight as fast as possible, even if you're not going to hit your best. That's the whole purpose of it. We wanted to apply to the sport. So then I said, Hey, Joe, how do you feel about hex bar hex bar jumps? And uh, yeah. So we have a guy in our field. His name's Paul for Brits. Uh, another guy, Max Schmarzo. You probably heard of Max. Uh, Strang. I don't remember what his Instagram handle is. We're super bright guys. They tend to be advocates of not doing oldies. I'm an advocate of doing oldies. I love them. I've had a lot of success with them. I don't. I've taught people how to do them in a day or two tops. Uh, just taught my athlete Richard uh, Tan. Never done them before in his life. Another athlete, Jimmy Ho, taught him. Another athlete, our a good friend of ours, Zero, um, taught him how to do it. Zero bounce. You know, and and they all picked it up within a day of me teaching them how to do power cleans. Other than the, the rack position, in which case I just say, build your way up, go really light, work your way into a better rack position. You don't even rack the bar, right? You just hold it yeah. in your hand. Um, well, so that's even Yeah, it's awesome. like, uh, it, it is resting, but it's a very vertical rack. It's like, it is resting on my, the weight pushes me back and it's resting, but it's not a front squat rack position. It's just it here and then back down. Does it hurt your wrist when you get no, into um it, it really doesn't. And it's, and it's because I, uh, I stick my traps forward. And so, uh, exactly. So, so it's resting here and then the, and then like, it's just right here, you know, and then, and then it comes back down and that's just for, uh, that's just, I do all, lots and lots of reps. And so that's just a little more fatigue and it's just a natural, more natural position for me biomechanically. Okay. I like that. That's, uh, we we get into like the full full but if you're i mean if you're on the shoulder it's a rep you know what i mean it's, if so. you're using straps you cannot 
easily get to that position. You know, so and I always use straps. I was going to say, so you always use straps. Does that scare the shit out of you if you miss and fall backwards and break your wrist? Is that ever a fear of yours? Um, no, and it's because uh, I I always fail forward. Like, I, uh, it's just something you teach yourself how to do. But um, it's one of these things, like, I, if you guys check out my 455 miss, like, what happens is I get here, and then it flops back forward. And yeah. part of that is because I always keep a little bit of weight forward on my torso and as a result i missed some weights because uh, i'm not in an optimum position but at the end of the day safety first baby you know it's yeah, like uh, don't get hurt doing this this isn't what you're supposed to be doing like don't get hurt doing it right um, and that's, that's the argument a lot of people make is like oh they're not safe and i'm like oh they're not safe if you don't know what you're doing and you just decide to max out the first day but like right. and and the fear adds the velocity anyways yeah so it's a yeah. it, how great do you want to be how great do you want to be, you <laughs> yeah, be exactly. great or not <laughs> i'm gonna show you how great i am yeah, yeah. i remember john do you remember when uh i fell on my back yeah, uh, yeah. on the, on the power thing it was bad isaiah caught a bar i think he went into a full right did, or did you just kick you backwards it just kicked it just kicked me backwards yeah and isaiah like dumped the bar out in front of him fell backwards on a barbell and like it was it no was it was so it wasn't it wouldn't have been a bad miss but we were training in someone's backyard and they had a terrible like it was just terribly organized, and there was a Smith machine right behind, right behind me. So I failed the power clean, and I, like, technically, I bailed okay. Like, I, like, threw the bar in front of me and stuff. That's how you're supposed to do it, yeah. But, but the Smith machine was behind me, and I, like, fell on the Smith machine, and then the bar came on top, and, like, I, yeah, I almost got impaled by, by the Smith machine behind me. I should laugh, but it is. <laughs> it's funny because I didn't get it's, hurt. It's funny because you're not hurt. And it's, oh my God, you okay? You're okay? <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. I mean? That's exactly. how it is. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. But yeah. I, I, that stuff's pretty freak, like freaky. Yeah. E even those worst case scenarios are really, honestly, like not that bad. I've never heard of anyone dying from a clean. I've heard of people yeah. getting some wrist pain. I've heard of some people, you know, breaking the wrist or something. Worst, worst case scenario. People sometimes will hurt the quad muscle if the bar lands on it. I've heard of people catching in a full squat, stretch, strain, strain the ligaments in their knees. But that's like if you're doing full lifts, you're using straps, you, you know, you're you're like, I don't know. But a lot of times it's guys that made a ton of progress really, really quickly, um, you know, and, and kind of haven't gone through the ringer with that stuff. But, yeah, so you use straps. You, you always miss in front. Um, you know, I, that's actually really insightful because I'm always looking at these high jumpers and I'm like, how they like part of my language how the fuck are they pulling 315 like you know that well and they weigh you know a buck 30 and and they're just like they're ripping this weight off a hang and i'm like i couldn't hold on to the bar and a lot of european high jumpers do it and i'm like i my wrist would hurt so bad on the catch to do that and i don't know if it's because i've always caught in a front squat and it'd be like it's like a different type of catch um like is it a slightly different technique with the strap uh it absolutely is yeah um so couple things couple things uh i'll address the straps and then i want to address the the new lifter and then i want to get back to your deadlift trap bar point. hex bar, hex like, bar jump yeah hex bar jump okay so the thing about straps is there's a lot of stigma out there um and i i don't know anyone who's hurt themselves with straps other than myself and when i hurt myself it was because i was attempting to do a full clean and this is a common story you'll hear with inexperienced lifters doing full clean and what happened is I'm doing 265 as a, you know, a red shirt freshman or whatever I was. And I go down into the bottom 
elbow hits knee, breaks goes wrist. like this. That's what happens. So it's like when you get too far forward, your elbow hits your yep. knee. And you're doing a full that's exactly point. what I've seen happen so many times. So if you're doing, that's the other thing I was going to say is if you're doing powers, there's probably way less risk for using straps, like exactly. for a snatch or a clean. I've actually never seen anyone in a power with straps hurt themselves like that, ever. I mean, I have, that's, that's why. And that's why, like, in, in, in like kind of a, a rebuttal to your, to your you know, the, the, this guy that likes the, the deadlifts and doesn't like the Oli's. Like, uh, it's like, if you simplify the movement to every possible degree, your athlete will likely not get hurt and will get more benefit from it. So there's a reason in which I do everything from the hang or from a high box. It's simple. There's no first pull, there's no second pull, there's just the third pull. And for those of you who are experienced with Olympic lifting, the first pull is when it goes from the ground to the knee. The second pull is when, or some people don't believe in a third pull. I do because I, I, I like it. Yeah, second I'm curious pull, on how, I was gonna say, we probably view this a little bit differently, but go ahead, tell me what you were gonna say on the second. What, what, do you, what is the second pull to you? Second pull is from knee to mid thigh. And okay. uh, that's where you're getting your hips under, you're getting into a more explosive position. And the third pull is leg drive, hip drive, pull, and cat. Okay. So, so I would, I I would say what's mm-hmm. how I typically do it or explain it is first pull to above the knee, uh, double knee bend, second pull, third pull is actually like the, uh, the mm-hmm. arm action. So your third pull is what I would call the second pull. Um, and so it's like isolated to just the knees shifted underneath the bar, jumping as aggressively as possible, exploding to the floor and and getting underneath it. There's no setting yourself up. The the only downside is that many times athletes, uh, well, there's, there's two downs. I like hangs. I do hangs a lot. One, because I can't really set myself up well in a power clean. So I do hang cleans a ton. Um, in commercial gyms, it's annoying for me because if I drop the bar or I miss the weight, then I have to pick it up from the floor. And to do that, I can't get into step position in the first place because I don't have blocks or something else where if you can miss on the blocks, it's kind of like a lot more convenient. Like I love blocks because you can pull off the blocks, like you said, or you can just pick it up off the blocks, do the rep and drop it back down onto the blocks. Like it's just, it's just easier. And it's more focused on the, on the power output. I still like the first pull. I see like some benefit to being coordinated enough to do it. But for the point that you're making of, if your goal is just peak power and you want to simplify things. Yeah. I don't think you can simplify that <laughs> it it's to the point where like i get a lot of negativity because i don't have uh olympic lifter hip contact so that's something that a lot of people you know it's like <laughs> it, it, it's like uh and again i'll try and i'll try and simplify it but like if you watch an olympic lifter doing a clean the bar seems to travel up their thighs hits their hips they push through and then they they drop under and catch it well that's a very complex difficult thing to do and i clean once a week and so I can't afford to lose. Yeah, that's another thing, John and, and Isaiah. A lot of people don't know this. I squat once a week. And I only clean once a week. And yet what? I get stronger. I continually get stronger. And that's because of, and I'll quickly go on this while I have the, I have the topic open, but, and that's because of intent. So I have, since, since my freshman year uh, in 2015, um, I have switched from doing two to once a week. And uh, I've put over 200 pounds on my clean. I put uh, 400 pounds on my safety squat. Um, and I only squat once a week and I only clean once a week. And it comes down to intensity because if you lift right, in, and of course, my opinion, no degree, uh, if, you lift, if you lift correctly, um, what happens is you are, your body is destroyed after, after a workout, like, um, not pain, but muscle fatigue is extreme. Like 
my coach, Jerry Clayton, who loves Westside Barbell and uh, got a lot of his stuff from Louis Simmons. Um, and so like he, 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 he just pioneered this with one of his friends, like uh, John Smith and, and they, you know, they looked at obviously the old Soviet texts, like a lot of that's guys. Legendary. What's up? I said, that's legendary. Yeah. John Smith, like throwing those names out there. People don't know those names, but in the track community, you, you know, you're familiar. But anyways, go ahead. Keep going with what they're, you're saying. They're, they are absolute masters of turning high school kids, Americans, in five years to be like world-class throwers. Like, um, that's just how it goes. Uh, oftentimes, like in the hammer throw, especially in the javelin, you get international kids coming in. And that's just what coaches do. But like, as far as developing uh, like Americans, because the hammer isn't thrown in high school. So yeah. you have to take a kid and teach them the hammer and teach them to do it well. Um, so Jerry got me from being like, uh, you know, throwing the hammer from one year to being a, a like a six time all American. And I was a three time big 10 champion, three time runner up, like, like, the, and then this is like very quickly. And how he does that is with absolutely explosive intensity. So like I squat once a week, right. Um, when I, uh, but like when I do these workouts, I am, lifting as heavy as I can, as fast as I can, every rep, every time. You just so, made one of the best points that I tell people oftentimes about BBT mm -hmm. and answered one of the questions I've always had for people that use BBT regularly, and that is this. If you use BBT, your intensity increases a lot. Not a little bit, a lot. And yes. if that is the case, you and you're going to follow a traditional Charlie Francis setup, high-low, long conjugate sequence systems, where you lift Monday, Wednesday, Friday – then you are going to be more fatigued. You're going to, or like, if you did high intent on Monday, Wednesday, Friday like that, max intensity, you're going to blow yourself up with BBT because it is so freaking intense to move every single weight as fast as you possibly can, screaming, yelling as hard as you can, max intensity, pissed off at the weight, it will blow you up. And so I'm like, you, you can use BBT, yeah, but if you just haphazardly use it on every rep, every set of every high intensity day, pardon my language, you're going to, you're going to get fucked up. You're going to get so fatigued. I don't know how you get out of that hole. And your answer is you lift less frequently <laughs> like, twice a week. I, I do Tuesdays. So you do that year time. round, year round, you'll lift twice a week. Yeah. Uh, well, not year round in, in season. I lift once a week. Um, okay. And so when I do is that most heavy training cycles, you lift twice a week. Yes. So like that, that's the, those are the cycles in which, so my once a week are my maintenance, my maintenance, I'm maintaining, and I'm just not, I'm focusing on the event. I'm trying to throw farther. But in the fall, I do twice a week. I do Olympics on, uh, on Tuesdays. And I do squats on Fridays. And, uh, and the reason is, uh, is Coach Clayton told us straight to our faces. He's like, you are not athletic enough or powerful enough. Nobody on the planet is unless you are, uh, unless you are having a chemical assistance. And that's, you know, you know, that's steroids or, or another yeah another stimulant like that if you unless you are taking steroids your body cannot recover from how aggressively i want you to treat these squats like like he he said the so i hatfield squat i safety squat and the reason yeah. i do that is, and i use the pins I, I i is because that if you do it right uh it adds at minimum 200 pounds over your back squat uh and it's all about tonnage like i want more tonnage on those days um and so if you do that workout right you are toast like nervous system wise you're gone and uh it's to the point where i only do it once every other week because uh it takes you literally 10 days to recover from that single squat workout you so know you don't get any benefit out of doing it again that is your most intense stimulus that you that you do is those squats those hand supported yes. 
Hansport, I guess, Baxport, whatever you have. What did you call them? Hacks. Uh, uh, Hatfield, their safety squads. Hatfield, there's Hatfield, a lot of yeah, different safety squads, right. So, so you'll do that. Okay. And so you'll lift twice a week. So you said you do a 12 week period. So you just finish. Typically guys finish in the summer, right? You go through the fall, that 12 week period. So let's say yeah. September, October, November, that's your 12 week cycle during that period do, of time. Mm-hmm. What's that? And then, and then, and then I max. So I do 12 weeks right. of work, two weeks of max. Right. And so then you go into December, December, you're getting ready for indoor. You go December, January, February, sometimes March through indoor, depending on how far you make it. Then you have like a, a revamp period, usually for a month or two, and then you're now, or maybe a month, then you're into outdoor <laughs> through the summer, right? So, that's it exactly. so then, you know, as we're talking about this, you're those two times a week, those, those Tuesday, Friday sessions, you're building out your, you know, you're following the principles we talked about earlier, you know, volume, volume starts high, that, that September comes down through November, still stays pretty high relative to the rest of the year. And then, uh, you know, intensity is climbing up across, maybe you started fives, work your way down to singles by the end. And then, you know, you, you max out, then you go in and you're kind of in this maintenance phase where you just lift once a week through the indoor and then probably do a little revamp for one month. And then again, maintenance. So that one day a week, you said you only do cleans once a week and you do squats once a week. So for your max CNS activity lifts, right, for that four week period of September through November, are you just blowing up volume for like just one lift, go in the weight room, clean for an hour and a half, leave, squat one day a week, blow it up? Or are you doing accessory yeah. stuff? Or are you doing other lifts? Like, is that it? <laughs> so, so that's, that's the thing, right? I always tell people, yes, yeah, I just lift twice a week. And they're like, wow, man, how do you get these results? And I'm like, oh, you know, it, it just works out. I lift for three to three and a half hours on each of those days. So that's like, uh, like I am in there a long time. I am, I am destroying every muscle group that I come in to destroy. So I start out with uh with a clean because that's the most energy uh like like sucking event like it's like it requires it requires mental stimulation it requires physical coordination you want to start with it you don't want to squat and clean because that takes away the squat is very simple it's basically you versus the bar stand up sit down stand up sit down the clean is technical always start with your most technical movement because that's that's going to be very difficult to come back from so i clean uh in the fall specifically i do a lot of uh uh eights i do a lot of sixes i do a ton of reps five sets always but like when i'm getting into shape i'll be doing uh five sets eight through september on the power clean that's working Uh, yeah like, so that would be like, I'll start at 135 and I'll work up to 315 for eight. And for those of you that don't know, 315 for eight will burn 100, 150, 200 calories just that one set. Like, it's absurd. Is that like, that's in the clean? Like, that's in your clean you're doing that or your squat? Yeah, squat? that's in my clean. Like, that is, uh, that is, you're doing eight. I would die. I would <laughs> it's die. conditioning. It, 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 it is brutal. Like, that's, that's, that's what I do. It's Yo, like, this so, is some of the most insightful shit I've ever heard. It is so interesting to hear this. You know, um, yeah. Sorry, dudes. My freaking robot vacuum is trying to <laughs> interrupt us. So I love that. I'm gonna turn cat. him upside down for now. I love your cat just chilling in the background. <laughs> yeah, dude. This guy. This guy's a good guy. He's a good dude. Um, um, so you do your eights. You do your five sets of eight. You work up to three fifteen for all eights, all five sets of eight. No, no. That that that's key. So I don't believe I don't believe in excluding warm up sets. So okay. I will because those are your high intent. Right. Exactly. Like it's three warm up sets effectively. Three, uh, 135, uh, 225, uh, like 45. And then I go 75 or 95 and then 95 or 315. You know, like that kind of thing. And the reason this is so difficult is because 
you don't you're strapped to the bar and that's why i love straps you can't do this without straps because you need grip 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 strength if you hook grip especially it deteriorates as you move but with a strap your grip will be the last thing that fails you know your your legs will fail everything will fail but the straps will keep you locked into that bar so on my, power set, on, my, on my on my fifth set i'm doing eight eight three fifteen i'll go one drop it to the hips two drop it to the hips three and i'll do that for eight and what that what that really does is that just destroys your nervous system because you're doing a pretty high intensity weight you know for me at that time that's 75 80 percent of my every time i max i'm trying for eight that is destroying so it's like uh, you come back on a Friday and you're squatting. I do tens in the fall. So I do five sets of 10 safety squat and I'll work up to, I think the most I've done is around 500 pounds, 500 pounds for 10. And, Holy shit. And you are pushing the speed. You are not allowing yourself to go below 0.5. I never allow myself to go below 0.5. So this is a quick aside, but there's the velocity training zones and they call it absolute strength is 0.5 and below on mean velocity. And that's when you're like, if you're 0.5 and below, you're approaching the most weight you can possibly do. I like to live in the zone in the fall called accelerative strength. Accelerative strength is 0.5 to 0.75. This is 80% of your max. This is heavy weight, and, uh, but you're moving it kind of fast. Like you're not absolute strength here. And that's so, what I like. So to like play. all 12 weeks, your squats, you want 0.5 to 0.8 basically exactly and then just for the top set so like uh like what happens is like i'll start at 225 in the seats squat and i'll move them at like 1.1 i'll be bouncing around and then i'll work down i'll be dropping typically 0.1 every 100 pounds or 90 pounds <laughs> that's so, crazy so so what, that's what that's what you want to do so um and then then this is this enables you because <laughs> by like shocking your system and, and destroying your nervous system on a weekly basis but only two days a week uh, it enables you to, you know, really trust these numbers because uh, the numbers know like like the 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 speed velocities know more than you do. You know, it's like I don't care how I'm feeling, I'm probably going to produce pretty good numbers on any given day because I've trained myself to do this. Right. Um, and you've given yourself but, the rest. You've given yourself the time off. You know what frequencies exactly. you can hit within a time span within a month where you can bounce back. Super interesting. Like your approach is like we're going to nuke ourselves twice a week. Instead of like taking machine gun, you know, bullets to the chest three days a week, <laughs> like, that's, you're that's like, exactly. I'm gonna blow myself up. <laughs> like, so I have another question about this, uh, not to interrupt, because I want to hear how you progress through the year. Um, so you're looking at those peak powers in the fall when you're looking at peak bar speeds. Uh, how are you in the fall? Do you have any goals you try to hit for peak bar speeds, or is it just like move the weight as fast as possible on these? Like work at eighty percent. What you get is what you get. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's like, I, I'm always trying, I don't care what part of the year it is. I'm always trying to speed PR because that's what you have right, to do. Right. Like, like you won't, you won't probably, if you're doing this right, you're, when you're, when you want to be, you're feeling your best, you're going to be setting your PRs if you're doing it right. But you got to try every single time to do right. it. That comes back to that intent intensity. So what I more focus on is that end goal. It's like every time I get into the weight room, I'm thinking I got nine weeks till max. How am I going to set myself up to have a, have a day that I want to have, you know? And so it's like, uh, that, that's just how it goes. Sometimes you're like, like, it's not a linear progress. Progress is never linear. You know, it's, it's skips and stutters and hopefully yeah. grow. Isaiah, Isaiah is in the Valley right now with his vertical. We hit 50.5 in the summer, did a bunch of elastic work, did a bunch of speed work, did a bunch of power work and then hit the Valley. And he's like, all right, now I'm down to 48, but we're accumulating a bunch more volume right now. Um, and he's still probably jumping 48 and it's fine. I'm like, 
I, I like literally have an idea where I'm going to be like, if your vertical is two to three inches lower while you're training hard, you're doing it right. That's a yeah. good thing. That means you're fatigued. You're, you're getting adaptation. Um, if you're not seeing a decrement, then you're probably just max prepared all the time, which is not necessarily what you want. Um, and so, yeah, like those dips and, and stuff like that. So I don't know what you were saying, what, what your point was going to be. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, no worries. That, 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 that is, that, I mean, like, it's interesting to see the, the comparisons in the sport because like, that's exactly what you want. It's like, um, like when you max, when you want it, like, you're not going to be able to be a 50 plus inch vertical jumper every day of the week. You physically can't, you no, might not I, be able to be a 50, 50 plus inch vertical jumper, you know, once more a than year, two months out of the year. <laughs> Wait, what's up? We were going to say once a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's like, it, and it's like, that's how it goes. So it's like um, me, for example, I cannot box power clean 405 right now. Can't do it, you know, because uh, like I prepped for 12 weeks to be where I wanted to be right then. And then you start to go away. You cannot be in that, as you said, max prepared mindset for a longer than a couple weeks, maybe a month out of the year. So when I'm training for track and field, you know, it's like the number I want to hit is like 255 feet in the hammer. Now I'm going to be in, I'm going to be that guy for a month if I'm lucky to be able to hit those numbers. And then I'm going to be back down to 45 to 40 because that's an elite, incredible performance that you can't reproduce. You, you, you have to be physically on the nose every part of your body to be able to do that. And as a result, like you have to time it, you have to prep for it to like give yourself every opportunity when you want it. So like in the fall, you know, I'm not thrown very far because my focus is on the weight room, but it's like, I'm still trying to perform and improve so that come spring, summer, I am throwing far. And it's like, you build on that, you build on that, you build on that. So that's like, ever... <laughs> so this is really like insightful. Um, I think the jump training world, like dunking world has a little bit different of a mindset because it comes from basketball and basketball is like, you show up every day and just try to be the best player like every single day. Um, but it's very different from actually hitting like elite performance. Like what is your, like, what is the human body capable of that it can only do once a year? Um, and I'm curious, like, it's, it's been tough for me kind of like accepting that the, the best days ever only happen a couple, a couple times a year. And I see it with a lot of the athletes that we train too. Like they'll start jumping lower and they just get like depressed and they're like, oh, like what's going on and all that stuff. Did you ever struggle with that, with not like being at peak performance all, all the time? Or is it something that you, you're just kind of just like used to at, at this point? Listen, you're, we're human. Of course, there is the mental difficulty that comes with that. And, and again, gym wear plug. Um, and again, like that's why velocity-based training is so excellent because you might not physically be able to lift as heavy weights, but you can always improve on something. Like I might come home and I'll like talk to my wife and be like, I had a great day. I PR'd for speed at 220, like 230, you know, something like that. And it's just like, you know, yes, overall, my numbers weren't better and I'm weaker than I was weaker, but like uh, you might find one asset to improve on. And that's why you can always check. Cause it's like, if you're listening to the same things every day, it gets very boring. It gets very, very boring. Uh, and so this adds an element of uh, excitement and fun to it where you can always be improving on something. You might improve on bar height. You might improve on how straight your bar path is. Maybe you constantly curve a little at the end because that's another thing it can it can text it can tell you if you're moving out or in and you can increase technical proficiency um 
in the throws, especially, like I said, I throw varying implements. So like, uh, you know, yes, my 16, my comp ball, the one that matters isn't going very far right now, but I PR'd with my 18, you know, I PR'd with my 20, mm. you know, or maybe not even PR'd because again, like you're probably throwing those farthest when you're feeling good in that six spring, summer, glorious time, but maybe you threw significantly farther than last November. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. uh, so say, you know, cause like always like, that's, that's also the beauty. You can't, you can't really compare yourself to your best. You got to compare yourself to your best at the month you're in. So it's like, am I the best Joe in November? Am I the best Joe in February right now? Let's look at past Joe. Let's see what his numbers were. Let's see how far he was throwing. And what you're going to see is you're like, if you're following like a program, a dedicated program, you're like, oh, wow. You know, I'm not throwing like what I was throwing in the spring, but I'm kicking this guy's butt in, in the fall, you know, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Then that's how, that's how you get through it. You know, it's like, it's unrealistic to be like every day you're going to get better, but it is yeah. very realistic to look at seasons past and be like, yes, I am better than that guy. And if you continually be better than that guy in past seasons, you will continually get better. Right. That's a really good point. John, I don't know if you remember uh, last year at this point, I was hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that Actually, is, yeah. that is weird conceptually. Yeah, I think it's easy to look because, like, for us, we don't necessarily have, like, an annual plan. Isaiah is, is almost similar to fighting, like MMA, where it's, like, you don't – it's not fall to fall. It's uh, – yeah. you have a big competition coming up. You got to train for it. Oh, you don't know until you know. You might know a month out. You might know four weeks out. You generally have an idea when stuff's going to happen, but you really don't know. Like, All-Star Weekend was – Isaiah found that out, you know, a long time ago, and we were like, okay, cool. But there was some other random event that popped up in October and then another random event that popped up in late October and then another random event that popped up in when he moved in, in December. And it's like, you know, you can't really perfectly plan for this stuff. Like we knew All-Star Weekend was this week, but like randomly across the way, we have all these other random competitions pop up where it's like, yeah. you got to have some level of readiness. You know, you have yeah. to. So that's a little bit different. And and we've had the luxury in past years of, of, of like, as I was like, I'm just not going to do that right now. I'm going to just train. Um, and we, we don't, like I said, have to follow an annual plan. So if we want to do, we don't have to do 12 weeks of strength work. We want to do 20 weeks. We could, you know, of loading uh, because we don't have an indoor season or that really matters. If we want to do a full year, we could like, you kind of have the luxury of, of picking and choosing because it's not like you got to score points or you got to like whatever weird system IAAF uses um, for like deciding what rank you are or whatever. It, it, it does. It just doesn't work that way. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit different in that sense, but what I like to do is compare training cycle to training cycle. Like right now, Isaiah is repeating a training cycle that he did last summer. And we want to see how he responds to it because we, we changed our belief on some different stuff related to jumping and contraction type because throwing is seemingly very, uh, concentric dominant, right? Seemingly jumping is seemingly very stretch shortening cycle. I mean, not that throwing isn't, but in a way, like you don't have a, you're not launching yourself into the circle, you know, like you are spinning and you're accelerating the whole time, but you really don't decelerate and then reaccelerate. I don't think. Right. Or is it like, it's, it's interesting um, because like we consider ourselves to be the uh, you know, so my coach, coach Clayton, um, I'll just do this quickly. He coached the power events and uh, John, you, you're familiar with the power events, but Isaiah, like the, the, the power events are the jumping and the throwing events. And oftentimes these events have so many similarities. Um, <laughs> and it, it's because it's like, it, it's like, if you look at our jumpers in Michigan, they're doing our training. They're just doing it uh, lighter because they're physically like they're, they're half our weight. Right. But the intensity is the same. 
And it's like, they will squat, they will clean, they will snatch, they will bench, they will do it all. And we will do all of those things as well. It's just, there's a few specificities that change, but you know, um, like they're, the, the, the power event, the stretch, the, the, the stretch shortening cycle is huge. It's like both of us, both of these fields want fast and violent movements and they want them to get faster and more violent because that's how you get more explosive. And so like, um, the throwing, the throwing motion is incredibly violent because, and that's why I, I clean the way I clean, like, because there's no, like when I talk about that hip contact, there's no hip contact in the throw, but what happens instead is like you drive into the ground, just the same way you drive into a clean and then you bring the ball past you. And so if you look at the throwing motion of an elite hammer thrower, it's very similar to the explosive movement in the snatch or a clean. Like on the, on the actual throw, I know like in the hammer, you like come down and you whip through every time. It's almost like swinging a golf club, like on the each hit that you have. And then at the release, obviously you're spinning super fast. There's a lot of timing and probably a, like a hit portion of it where you release and the ball goes flying. Um, so it's interesting in, in that sense, I guess where sometimes like jumping and spraying research you look at is like, oh, the, the importance of eccentric force generation, you know, what, what's yeah. happening when you're yielding and uh how how much are you preloading and how does that preload let you generate more force you know it's why jumpers can't do shit off you know high jumpers can't do shit off standing vert but give them a 10 step approach and they jump 50 inches um and so uh you know it's it's like we used to think i, I think especially for two foot jumping that oh that that's the same for two foot jumping and what we're finding is it's just generally not the same right. and uh you know there's and, and even for one foot jumping maybe it's not the same but for two foot jumping, if you do a lot of elastic work, you do a lot of plyos, you do a lot of that stuff, it's going to hurt you. Um, we've generally found that to be true. And maybe it's a specificity thing where you're fatiguing those systems, or maybe it's just that it's not as specific as we thought. And, uh, you know, depth jumps just aren't the same as two foot approach jumping. Like there's no research on spike jumps. There's like one research paper and it's not great. There's not a lot of research on approach two foot jumping. There's a lot of research on high jump. There's a lot of research on throwing. There's a lot of research on weightlifting squatting but there's not a lot of research on on standing vertical there's a ton but you add a run in and you throw like a alt like a asymmetric kind of plant you know where one foot kicks out and you have a you displace 10 feet into your plant foot and then your block foot hits and there's a like right then left and you pop off the ground you know the way John Morant does or someone else like it's just different um it's different than anything else but it, it is honestly most similar to throwing and that is what people don't realize because for example in shot your, you have your your block foot hits and you launch the ball and you generate a shit ton of torque and you have a lot of momentum or you're changing the the direction very quickly High, or jumping off two feet is very similar <laughs> like you're generating a ton of force through your plant foot and then you have a block and you pop off the ground vertically you know instead of moving an implement you're moving your body but it's the the, the way that you generate force and being big and strong is is still true um, not big necessarily but very very powerful and mm. so you know when when we talk about throwing and the similarities like a lot of people don't realize that, but they're super similar. And that's why I was like, oh, this dude's a freak. He's a thrower. Perfect. I want to, I want to talk to him. And he uses VBT. He's smart. Oh, incredible. No one does this. Um, and okay. so, so like when you're, uh, I guess like coming back to kind of all this stuff. So you, you mentioned how you, you go through the fall and you hit all of, you know, your goals are 0.5 to 0.8 for mean you're squatting. Are you doing accessory work after the cleans and after the squats? Yes. A hundred percent. So um, I will clean for around 45 minutes to an hour, and then I will pull for around 30 minutes. And when you say then, pull, when you say pull, what do you mean? Like deadlift? I do, or uh, you mean like overloaded, overloaded hang high pulls. So like, uh, 
in the same exact way I do my cleans, but I don't catch them. So say I end a workout at 365, I'll pull 405 uh, and like, you know, to kind of expose your body to be like, this is what it feels like to pull this weight, you know, uh, and then and you're still hitting, uh, you're still trying to hit peak power output, like still using. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. I, I, I never do. I never beat those power numbers. I do that. Uh, and you're using BPT for all this stuff at this point and max intended. No, not for this. So specifically, I think, um, VBT is wonderful for full body movements. I think it's, that's when it really shines. I, I just don't think, um, when you're using a cable machine, uh, I don't really think cable machines, I think that when you're doing isolated work, I think it's more focused on the movement and the technique. Um, but that's just me. Um, so I'll do, are you still pulling at max intent for this stuff? Or are you still going max intent on these? No, these are, I usually it's like, um, I, I guess I've, I've spent all my max intent uh, coins and money at this point at, in the workout. So now it's like, uh, I call them my, 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 just my auxiliary work. And it's just so this like, is, okay. Uh, so this is like, get, put the hay in the barn, do the work, not necessarily trying to, maybe you'll go heavy. Maybe you won't, but it's like, you got to do the work. I'll, maybe all of it's gonna be 80%. Heavy. like, I'll but I'm saying like 70, heavy, 80%, but, like yeah. maybe 85. You're not, you're not like, but I'm going to go, I'm going to try to go 90% on step-ups today and like crush this. Like, as fast as I can, you're just like, all right, I got to do eight reps, five sets of eight reps at 80% of my previous max. Like, I'm just going to go through the, not go through the motions, but you're not popping your foot through the ground, popping the weight off your back, like exactly. drilling the rep. It's like, okay, I'm going to just move this weight, um, you know, whatever's programmed. Probably what it's most people work, do. You know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the way most other people lift. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I, I descend, I descend from Olympus to lift with the, with the, with everyone else. With the humans, uh, the narcs. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, like, you know, I do, I do a couple things, but, and then I always end each session with, uh, with circuit training, uh, with timed rest. Uh, typically I'll do like an upper body circuit, which is like four different exercises completed quickly one after another 45 seconds to a minute rest, do that three times, gets the heart rate going, gets, gets some movement. Uh, and then I'll do a mini leg circuit, which is the same idea, lunges, jumping, squatting. Um, and yeah, and I, and I always, uh, I know they're not as accurate, but I like to do my jumping on a force mat. So it'll tell you how long it thinks you're in the air. You guys know what I'm talking about? Not one of yeah, the Yeah, the just, jump, the just jump mats that'll just tell you and flight so, times and then use flight times to measure your vertical. And you can just get like kind of more power endurance volume probably. Like if you're doing 30 seconds of knee tuck jumps on it, yeah. and you're like, I'm going to try to get all these knee tuck jumps at 25 inches for 30 seconds you know and then you just try to push yourself but the purpose of that for you is it's auxiliary work it hits other small areas you probably missed maybe in the workout but you also want to get some check the box of endurance power endurance or something build some cardiorespiratory fitness maybe for recovery purposes or whatever um build build up soft tissue whatever it may be that you're trying to achieve with that stuff but so you'll you'll finish with that on your pool days and then on your lower body days, like, or sorry, your squat day, how do those days look? Is it pretty much like max out the squat? And then you have like some, what do you do after your squat? I guess. Is it so really good? Af after I squat every other week, I do, I do pin squats, uh, half rack squats, I call them. Which so you'll do that after the deep squats after the, exactly. okay. Oh, we have a minute and a half left. No, Joe, we'll have to have you back on. But in a minute and a half, what do you do after your squats? <laughs> so I'll do my pin squats. Uh, and then like, basically after all that compression, you got to decompress. I'll do like glute and ham, like, 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 uh, you know, like these kind of things. Uh, I'll do lunges and then I'll end with some more circuit training. I think circuit training when you're at your fourth quarter mentality is huge because it's like, you are tired. You have just squatted. You have been doing this for two and a half hours. Well, guess what? You're doing some timed movements as, as fast as you can. And that like helps with like mental fatigue and all that.
Right. Um, so how many sets are you working at that like same thing, like three to five sets on those other accessory auxiliary lifts? Yeah, like exactly. Between... Typically four sets. Typically four. Okay. Got it. Yeah. That's super insightful. Well, I know we have a like 30 seconds left. Um, if you guys have listened to this full podcast, you have learned probably more from this than any other podcast we've done because we really dove into X's and O's, which we usually don't do. So if you're a programming nerd and you want to know why we do the things we do, specifically with THB, why I tell you the things I tell you, this is why. Joe has done a great job by putting an objective number to it and explaining why. Um, I think having you on again would be really cool in the summer whenever you're competing, if you have time, uh, and we can go back over things. You'd be like, you know, I'm throwing the 60 as far as possible now. Um, but yeah, we'll cut it there. Thanks for listening, guys. As always, uh, follow THB Strength. Oh, real quick, real quick, Joe, where can everybody find you? Oh, I'm on Instagram uh, with my egotistical name of Joe Strong 96 uh, So uh, feel free to give me a follow. I'll be posting VBT content once a week for the rest of the year. So Perfect. Awesome. Uh, Thanks for that idea. Awesome. Sure, sure. Well, as always, guys, like, comment, subscribe. Give Joe a follow.